Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. It's uh, Tuesday already, just so you know, even though it feels like Monday because of the nice holiday weekend. I hope you had a great time. I hope you had time to um, be with family and loved ones and reflect on the sacrifice that were made uh, for all the men and women on behalf of our country. It's indeed a beautiful, beautiful sacrifice. Courageous men and women that have served our country, um, many with their lives. So God bless uh, the families that have wonderful, beautiful memories of those loved ones. So we've got a great show today. Rob Blue is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then uh, Tim Mulhoff will be joining me. And then Mark Muska for a whole hour. Ask the professor. So that's the lineup for today. As you can see, it's cherry-picked, hand-picked, just for you. So let's uh, take 60 seconds uh, and then bring on Rob. But before I do that, let me just uh, say, out of Psalm chapter 13, in verse 5 and 6, it says, But I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. How sweet is that? Be right back. I'm Faith Radio Manager Neil Stavum. Thanks to all who gave during our spring fundraiser, we're now over 90% of the way to being fully funded. And we can finish the work with a handful of new friends giving average-sized gifts between now and June 30th when our budget year ends. Would you give a gift of $30 a month to help support this ministry? Seven Team 360 gifts each day will meet the need by the end of June. Let today be your day to join in. Make your gift online at MyFaithRadio.com. We're sharing each day together. What's not to like about Faith Radio? They're absolutely amazing, and it's 24-7, and I enjoy having the ability to turn on the radio at any time and find encouragement and some joy in a world that has many stressors to it. It's very encouraging. I love Faith Radio because the great programming, just great listening for the day. Listen to the radio station is just very inspiring to me. Thanks for growing with us on Faith Radio. Welcome to the show. Rob Louie is my guest. He is the executive editor of The Daily Signal, and I'm always happy when I get the chance to talk to Rob. Rob, welcome. It's great to be back. Thank you. How was your uh, Memorial weekend? We, you know, we had beautiful weather here in the Washington area. It was a little di- bit disappointing because Washington is usually home to a lot of events um, honoring Indeed. those who've given their life uh, for our country. And we just didn't have that same type of Memorial Day. Uh, but we still in our hearts and our prayers uh, remember those, uh, you know, who made that ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And I would imagine there is so many fun activities to do with your kids relative to the the honoring of the fallen and uh the fact that you're in the in Washington D.C. Virginia area, I mean, that must be really fun to be part of all those sights and sounds and everything else that goes on. It is the, mem- the Memorial Day parade, of course, and concerts and other right. things that uh, that take place. And uh, you know, I I saw people out uh, out and about. We did make our way into Washington. Uh, over the weekend and uh, kept our, our physical distance from others, but uh, took a walk around Capitol Hill with the kids 
and uh, and just tried to appreciate uh, you know the beautiful city uh, that is Washington. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a different world, Bill, and I think it's going to be like that for for quite some time. People. Uh, have you know for the past couple of months adopted a you know different mindset about how they they go about their daily lives and I think it's going to take a a bit of time for them to to come to fully appreciate uh, what what life was like uh, before March fifteenth or that date that uh, that we started to um, to started to quarantine ourselves so I, I'm under no illusions that uh, that we will get back to a, a place where where we once were before but mm-hmm. there will be a, a new normal uh, for yeah. quite some time indeed and when. Are your kids officially done with school, or has that already happened? It, it <laughs> depends if you ask me or you ask them. <laughs> I'm asking you. They would, they would I know like what their answer is. Already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're looking at mid June. Okay. You know, is is the date June fifteenth or so? And uh, and yes, uh, <laughs> after some. Um, a slow start. Uh, Fairfax County uh, has uh, one of the best school systems in the entire country. Obviously, it's one of the most the wealthiest counties in the country, uh, given its proximity outside of Washington D.C. And yet, it took about six weeks for them to get their act together with uh, with any sort of distance learning type of curriculum. Uh, once they finally put it in the hands of the local teachers, uh, you started to see a, a big big turnaround. And so now, uh, rather than having it centrally planned outside of a, a, a you know the superintendent's office. They're letting each of the individual schools run the program, and it's actually working fairly well. I still wish there would be more instruction time. Each of the each of the boys, um, you know, only has one hour of, of formal instruction a day, where I hear the private schools, you know, are, are virtually going all day uh, wow. with some of their instruction. So quite a difference there, but uh, but any little bit uh, helps. We want to make sure our kids are continuing to learn and, and doing all they can, uh, you know, to keep up, because yeah. let's face it, this is a big change for them, too. Indeed. Did you have a coronavirus commission meeting today? We did not have a meeting today. We will have our next meeting next Tuesday, and uh, it's going to be an exciting one because we're going to get to the point where we're talking about the final report and some of those uh, recommendations. Um, we also are putting together uh, some some really great information that I think is going to help uh, some of the stakeholders who, who are making decisions. Uh, we want to make sure that the governors, the local leaders have information at their fingertips uh, so they can make some of the best decisions. We know that the federal government uh, you know, is obviously going to be uh, leading a response, but uh, ultimately a lot of the decisions are made at the state and local level. Um, so the commission is really focused at this point on, on interacting and interfacing with those leaders um, who are beginning to reopen our country again. And you see a quite different uh, pattern happening all across America, uh, particularly over this Memorial Day weekend. Oh, no kidding. You know, I saw some pictures of some people that seem to be ignoring everything when it comes to social distancing. Well, it's still important to to maintain those safety guidelines. Let me tell you. And I agree. Uh, as somebody who has has a baby under the age of one, you know, we're particularly conscious of this because we know that the you know baby's immune system is not quite what it is uh, for for other uh, kids. We know that kids themselves aren't aren't as uh, impacted directly um, as as some who are older. Um, but obviously, the kids could still uh, transmit the disease. So it's uh, it's important for. For young people, teenagers, uh, those who like to <laughs> have parties on the beach and, and have fun, uh, just remember that they are uh, susceptible, even if they're not as a higher risk uh, for, for the fatalities. Uh, the fatalities, uh, you know, have, have really hit the nursing homes hard, uh, those over the age of uh, 70. And uh, in those, those individuals who may be out and about uh, really need to take those extra precautions because they are among the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Rob, when I think about some of the ma and pa businesses and some of the small businesses across America, 
when on any given day there might be five or six customers in the store where those five or six customers could obviously be keeping socially distant from each other and the staff could be doing a nice job of keeping things clean. Why are those little businesses still closed? That's a good question. And we have a small business owner on our commission. His name is Noe Landini, and he runs uh, several restaurants in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, uh, Maryland suburbs. And Noe has said the very same thing. Uh, He said, I will do everything I can to keep my customers safe. I will put in place in my restaurants, uh, you know, socially distant uh, dining options uh, so that they don't necessarily, uh, you know, have to come into contact, uh, obviously asking employees to wear masks for their own protection, but also for that of the customers. I think that those are some of the standard practices you're going to see. It's frustrating for some people, particularly the small business owners who haven't been able um, to to take those actions. I think you're also seeing a certain level of frustration among um, some religious leaders who feel that, uh, well, there has been a lot of focus on some of reopening some of the retail outlets that why aren't those same some courtesies extended to uh, to faith based institutions, institutions or churches uh, when they themselves have thought uh, very carefully about how they can protect their congregations. Exactly. Now, if you spread out people throughout the church and keep them at a nice distance and eliminate handshaking and congregating, I don't know why any reason there couldn't be services. Well, and and yeah, exactly. Uh, I know that there have been instances where uh, singing has been uh, highly debated. We know that singing is an important part of a of a church service, and uh, and that's one thing that you may have to look for for new solutions for. I, I don't know how exactly you do it, but obviously keeping people uh, away from each other as they're projecting their voice is is important. Um, but the other thing that uh, that I think is really important here is we have to treat uh, these religious institutions and our churches in the same respect and with the same uh, courtesy that we would give uh, these retail businesses. There's no reason to, to categorize them differently. And I think in some states uh, that's been unfortunate. And that's why I think you saw the president come out on Friday with a very strong declaration uh, that the churches should be treated the same and uh, they should be allowed to reopen. Now, Look, the churches themselves may decide that they want to take things slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that my particular church, which which has a largely uh, older uh, congregation, probably will be taking things on the safer side. In fact, we're seeing cases still increase uh, in, in, in Fairfax County, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So uh, in places like that that see uh, cases increasing, you might not want to jump back in and have people. But there are a lot of counties all across this country that have taken uh, that have seen a different trend uh, and there's a downward trend. And they feel that they're in a position where they can start to do so safely, reopen safely. Mm -hmm. Now, it looks like we're going to get a chance to see sports again one of these days, which kind of excites uh, a lot of us, including myself. But let's just chat briefly about the uh, the Tokyo games. Uh, They've been postponed now till next year. Um, How do you think those athletes are going to cope? I mean, they might be peaking for July this year and all of a sudden they're they're put off another year. You're right. Well, there are some athletes who who probably might not be able to uh, to perform in in the 2021 game simply based on um, you know where they fall in terms of their their career. We do know that there's a certain age range that uh, that you do have that that athletic peak. Um, 
gymnastics comes to mind as, as one example of that. And so that is, uh, that is certainly something that's going to be a factor. Hopefully, most, most of the athletes who are preparing for the games this year uh, will be able to still participate. But, uh, but you know, Bill, it's, it's one of those things that the Olympics uh, certainly poses a risk if we don't have a vaccine even mm-hmm. uh, in 2021. And I'm, I'm praying that we do. Uh, because I think that when you bring together people from all over the world, uh, countries that uh, in some cases are, are handling the the pandemic better than others, uh, you're certainly exposing those athletes to a higher risk themselves. Yeah, that would be like the biggest melting pot you could create would be an, an Olympics. You're absolutely right about yeah. that. I mean, it is it is a situation. And then what do you do with all of the spectators and the totally. media, oh, yeah. all of the people, all of the staff who who care for them uh, at, at the housing and, uh, and and make sure that the Olympics go on with uh, w- with success. So there are a, are a whole number of factors to consider, which is why I think it was a, a smart move to to postpone it a year. Uh, I think it would have been probably pretty impractical or impossible to pull it off in, in 2020. But it raises some of the same questions we've seen about other sports. I mean, there's the the NBA considering uh, doing its uh, continuing its season at Disney World in Florida, for instance, mm-hmm. in an isolated type of environment. There, uh, you have uh, the NHL, which has uh, put out some some ideas for how it might uh, resume baseball. So I think sports are going to come back. It seems that July is the time range that most are looking for, and it also seems, based on what we're hearing from Dr. Deborah Burks uh, at the White House and others, that uh, the summer weather, uh, the hotter weather, the sun uh, may be uh, helping with uh, with reducing the spread of, of COVID-19. Um, so now would certainly be the time to do that. Uh, what I am worried about is what happens when you have that, that second wave. If there, yeah. is, if there isn't a vaccine uh, by the end of the year, how do we protect ourselves against that? Uh, right. I think people will be anxious to get back out there, Bill. That's a great point. Rob Bluey is my guest. We'll take a little break and we'll be right back with uh, Rob in just a minute. Rob Bluey, executive editor of The Daily Signal, is my guest. Go to dailysignal.com, dailysignal.com. Place to go. All right, Rob, what do you think about what happened over the weekend with uh, Vice President Biden making that comment on that radio talk show? Uh, pretty strong comment he made uh, saying that if, if you uh, don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yes. So uh, certainly Vice President Biden had a couple of high profile appearances uh, among the black community. um, And uh, this did not go as planned, uh, to to say the least. Uh, This was a situation where uh, the vice president, who's been known to make gaffes in the past, uh, certainly uh, did not uh, not express himself uh, as as well as he he can. Bill, as as you may know, the president of the Heritage Foundation is uh, is Kay James, who herself is a uh, black woman, um, and so she reacted strongly to this as well, uh, tweeting that my DNA, life experience, heritage, and culture are what define my blackness. With all due respect, Joe Biden, you don't get to define who I am, and uh, and and that tweet uh, went viral as as did so many others uh, among people who were reacting strongly to the vice president's comments. That he was taking uh, the, uh, the the vote uh, and the support from African Americans for granted. Uh, this, as you you might recall, uh, was something that was pretty contentious during the primary because there were other candidates who who didn't necessarily have that same level of support, and it was one of the reasons that Joe Biden performed so well in several states that um, you know really really gave him the momentum that he needed 
uh, at a critical time. And so uh, he did walk it back. He did apologize for for what he said. But uh, I think that it's going to raise in, in some people's minds questions about, uh, you know, how he addresses this for the long term, because I did hear uh, other commentators come out and say that this would require Biden now to to pick a running mate who is uh, a black woman. He's already said that he's going to to pick a woman, uh, and it would also require Biden to come up with uh, you know po- a policy agenda that it really addresses uh, some of the the challenges facing the black community. So we'll see where it goes. We're certainly interested in watching uh, watching what happens next and uh, and seeing this very interesting presidential election, which is taking place uh, unlike any others in the time of a pandemic. Uh, what a contrast that you saw even yesterday on Memorial Day between uh, the vice president wearing a mask to the, the memorial in Delaware and, and President Trump in Maryland without a mask at, the, at Fort McHenry. So uh, certainly uh, quite a difference uh, in the messages, messages that they're sending. Mm-hmm. And President Trump also created his own firestorm with some uh, recent tweets about uh, a conspiracy involving a woman that died in MSNBC's host's uh, congressional office in Florida years ago. I didn't follow much of that, but I know that created a lot of uh, upset among among uh, people. And people are asking, uh, I think, Twitter to take those tweets down. That's right. Well, President Trump continues to to use Twitter to communicate directly to the American people. It's amazing that uh, here we are <laughs> this far into his presidency, and, and he's still making news almost on a daily basis with what he tweets. Uh, I, I think of eight years of President Obama. I know he probably didn't have Twitter for all eight of them. He, he very well might have, though. Uh, I, I can't remember a single tweet that, that Obama sent that made any news, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but President Trump knows how to push buttons like that. I think, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I've said this in the past, you know, he does take it too far. And, uh, and I, I wish that sometimes we would focus on, on a different aspect. I mean, you, you saw quite a contrast between the, um, the, 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 some of the tweets that came out over, over the course of Memorial Day weekend and some of the, the public events he attended and, and his, his public comments. So yes, um, definitely something that, uh, that I think will continue to reverberate throughout this, uh, this campaign this year. Mm-hmm. Rob, our, Voters and Americans starting to see leaders in more hypocritical ways when they tell us to do one thing and then they don't follow exactly what they tell us to do. I've seen a couple I of def- occasions, you know, uh, um, Chris Cuomo was telling everyone to mask and, you know, stay indoors. And yet he was on his bike without a mask, checking on a piece of property that he owned. And, you know, then uh, Governor Whitmer was saying that stay home. And then her husband is apparently putting his boat in the uh, water. So it's <laughs> it's like that kind of wears people down after a while, doesn't it? And it's it's not just here in the United States. There's another high profile incident in the United Kingdom of somebody um, you know doing doing something similar. So yes, uh, it is a, certainly one of those things where uh, the American people, I think, th- this is this is one of the frustrations they have with politicians in Washington in particular and why Congress is is held to such low low in low regard and why I think you see uh, trust levels in the media at, at a similar level uh, and it's one of those things that I, I think you and I as as people who work in the media profession uh, why we take our job so seriously why we have to have the highest level of, of trustworthiness and credibility in in terms of uh, communicating to our audience and uh, and maintaining those standards um, because it certainly is is something that that the the American people catch on to, with the personally with the examples that you you cite there. I mean, it is it is particularly concerning that uh, you've had protests taking place in Michigan because they the residents there feel 
uh, the, the restrictions, particularly in some parts of Michigan that haven't been as hit, hard hit as Detroit, uh, were just too draconian. And the reaction from the governor uh, has been to just dismiss them out of hand. So it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, <laughs> Bill, uh, it's hard to explain sometimes why people do some of the things that they do. But uh, the American people are smart and they catch on pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of fake news that uh, talk about Sue Ellen Browder, I found that kind of interesting. Well, Sue Ellen Browder is a former editor at Cosmopolitan, the magazine Cosmo, out of New York City, a long time ago, who's who's now uh, decamped out west and uh, and far away from the big city. Uh, but she she wrote a book uh, which uh, with a, which a couple of our colleagues at the Daily Signal found fascinating, Lauren Evans and Kelsey Bowler, and they decided to visit Sue Ellen and hear her story. And what she told them was quite remarkable. We've produced a documentary at the Daily Signal, which you can find on our our website, Daily signal.com today. And Sue Ellen uh, shares with our, our, our listeners uh, just how Cosmo went about making up news and making up stories to really uh, send a message to uh, American women uh, that they could do things, uh, maybe be a little bit more promiscuous and, uh, and, and believe stories that were, were entirely fabricated about things that would happen in the big city, um, all to advance an agenda that, uh, that really tried to make feminists uh, supporters of abortion. Uh, there was a time when femini- feminism and abortion were two completely separate things. And Sue Ellen goes through and explains how uh, the abortion movement was initially um, a movement promoted by men. Uh, it was it was it was men who who were advocating for abortion, and then uh, there was a, a change that happened um, in in the late '60s, and at that point uh, the two the two movements, the feminist movement and abortion movement, became uh, connected. And it's really unfortunate because there are so many women who who strongly are pro life, and uh, and so she um, you know. I think saw the light. Uh, she herself had two children and then had an abortion when she became pregnant with her third. And, uh, and like so many people who regret that decision is now speaking out about it. Yeah. And the UN is using a COVID-19 to push abortion, isn't it? Uh, it's just, it's just remarkable. I mean, every day it seems we're, we're fighting a new battle. Right. And, uh, and in this case, it's, it's one of those situations where it's great to have, uh, a president who is as pro-life as he is because the United States can push back on this and be in a position where we don't let the UN, uh, get away with what it's doing. But, uh, but absolutely, um, you know, on a, on a global level, uh, the UN and other organizations like it, uh, have, have been, um, anti, uh, you know, uh, pro-abortion in, in many respects and and fighting the pro-life movement um, tooth and nail. So Heritage has a long history of standing up uh, for life, uh, particularly when it comes to these international organizations. And I think it's so important that we keep focus on that because they can have a tremendous influence on other countries, even if the United States stands strong against them. Mm-hmm. I'll be real curious to see what happens with uh, the pushback that we give China and how they push back even even harder. Well, this is a big one. Uh, this is this is going to be important on a number of different levels. First of all, uh, China has animated uh, President Trump uh, long before he was president. I mean, he's somebody who's been talking about China for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he, you see him starting to draw a contrast now uh, with Vice President Biden on this issue. Um, you also are seeing a situation where the Chinese are under enormous pressure from out the world because of uh, their lack of transparency on the coronavirus. And we're still, you know, <laughs> trying to get answers out of China. So, Bill, I, I don't know what's gonna, where it's going to end, but we need to keep the pressure on them. Yeah. Rob, thanks so much for doing the show. Look forward to our talk next week. 
Thanks, Bill. You bet. Rob Bluey's been my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. Head over to dailysignal.com, dailysignal.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Timothy Mulehoff is my guest. He's a author and speaker and professor of communication studies. Uh, he is, um, I think, teaches at the University of North Carolina, or is he at, I think he's on the line. Tim, are you there? I am. Are you, at, are, are you in North Carolina or are you in California? I'm at Biola University. That's what I thought. Thank you, Thank you for getting UNC Chapel Hill right. Of course. That, <laughs> that yeah. would have been fighting words. That's where I did all my graduate education was That's right. UNC Chapel Hill. I was doing all this from memory, which I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I've, I've enjoyed having you on the show, and I, I know I, I remember you at Biola, and then I thought, well, wait a minute, where's North Carolina fit in? God's country. God. <laughs> That's how it fits in. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm real curious as to with what's going on across our country and more people are home. And is there more spiritual battles going on in couples today, given the circumstances in our country? I certainly think so. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't say that Satan caused COVID-19. But he certainly can use it to his advantage. And one of the greatest strengths of the Christian church is our unity. And now that unity has been, it's mediated unity. Mm -hmm. My church gets together every Sunday. We do it via Zoom. And I think that's good, but it's not the uh, embodiedness of being together and greeting each other personally and singing hymns together and responding to the word. And then I think with couples, you know, uh, Paul would say a lack of forgiveness, anger, is the single greatest way that Satan gets a foothold. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, being on top of each other, there's no breaks. We're all um, constantly bumping into each other. We have a household of three adult children, me and Noreen, and we just adopted a dog and called him Raleigh after Raleigh, North Carolina. Perfect. Um, (laughs) That's that's fertile territory for anger. and if you, if you let that anger go, if you don't have good coping mechanisms, good conflict resolution mechanisms, then I think Paul would say, you better believe the devil's getting a foothold yeah. if we don't know how to resolve this tension and disagreements that probably existed before COVID-19, yeah. but now they're being raised to the surface because of these unnatural circumstances. Tim, what's the difference between just being crabby and then spiritual warfare? Well, I, I don't know... I don't know if I can definitively say what's the difference, but let me tell you one big difference. I think if you were to ask somebody from the ancient church that question, their response would have been, when in doubt, assume it's spiritual battle. Okay. The modern church says, no, you need to prove to me it's spiritual battle before I would consider it that. So yeah, Bill, I think we're all crabby under these unnatural (laughs) circumstances, but where that crabbiness goes, like now I'm suddenly irritated at one of my sons and I'm no longer thinking anything positive, but rather just negative towards him. If my anger (laughs) is really flying off the handle, Uh then I I think we step back and we say, you know, I, I, 
I think we need to address the conflict, but I'm going to pray some spiritual warfare prayers here to make sure if demons are trying to do something, get a foothold, I'm going to pray in Jesus' authority that they are to be silent with me and with my family members. Mm -hmm. Tim, how would we start to understand the tactics of Satan in this kind of environment? I mean... I think all the all the pandemic has done is maybe intensify some of it. But what, what would be some of the tactics of Satan? Well, when I wrote my book, Defending Your Marriage, The mm-hmm. Reality of the Spiritual Battle, I read 20 books on spiritual battle and asked the question, when it comes to tactics, it, were there tactics that every 20 mentioned, all 20 different wow. authors mentioned? And I came up with my power five. So these were five that were mentioned by very reputable writers on this topic of spiritual battle. Uh, one of them is uncontrolled anger. I cannot reel it in. Wow. The minute my wife walks in, the minute a child walks into the room, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. Second is what we call catastrophic thinking. It, it's thinking this COVID-19 will never end. will never be the same. Our country is going to go under. It's going to be like the Great Depression. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my... right. Certainly, we're all fearful and anxious during COVID-19, but catastrophic thinking is, this is the end of us as a country. This is the end of, uh, our economy will never recover. If we start to have that catastrophic thinking, then I think we, we need to step back and say, I wonder if this isn't a demon feeding me these constant worst case scenario thoughts. I might step in there and do some more for a prayer. Uh, another one would be, I, I no longer believe the best about myself. Uh, I'm the worst husband in the world. I'm the worst employee ever, and I'm going to get fired. Uh, anytime you start to say, I'm the worst, the worst, the worst, uh, I, I think that could be a demon feeding into these very insecure times. And then last you know, would be not believing the best about God anymore. I mean, we're all of us are, are, are probably a little frustrated as Christians that God isn't more overt in how he's responding to COVID-19. And so we get, we get very frustrated, and now we, we don't believe God's in our corner anymore. So those are all kind of thoughts that my antennas would go up, and I would think, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nip this in the bud with a spiritual warfare prayer, and then I'm going to deal with what I need to deal with. But if a demon is fueling this, I want him to be quiet in the authority of Jesus Christ. I love that. So what would be the prayerful way to attack that? Well, so one of, one of the guys I consulted was a man named Charles Kraft. He's written over 20 books on this topic. He actually was a professor here at Biola for a while. And he wrote a great book called I Give You Authority. And he says you need to speak out loud to a demon. A demon cannot read your mind. Satan cannot read your mind but they can plant thoughts. We have biblical evidence of that. Um, And so I speak out loud. So Bill, a prayer would be like this. Um, I'm starting to think, oh my gosh, this is going to be the end of Biola University, right? We've been around 105 years. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my job. Uh, Financially, we're going to be ruined. Biola is never going to recover. And I'm going to go into the market in my 50s, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, those are all legitimate things to think about. Right. But if I if I if I'm fixating on it, here's what a prayer would sound like. Here's what I would pray. I would pray this demons. If you're putting these doubts into my mind, if you're making me think about the worst case scenario, if you're planting thoughts in my mind that God's not bigger 
than COVID-19. I tell you in the power of Jesus Christ to be quiet. Not my authority, not my power, but I'm a son of the king. I've been adopted into his family. I've been given the full rights of a family member. And in Jesus's name, I tell you right now, these thoughts are to stop right now. Amen. Wow. <laughs> That's the kind of authority That's I think fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me just say this to your listeners. I'd pray that exact same prayer for the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and it's not worked at all. All right. I've tried to cast out demons from the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah. And still doesn't work. that. It can never make the playoffs. Yeah. Doesn't work. All right. Doesn't work. Uh, that, I, I'm going to get requests from listeners. Can you, can you write that prayer out for me? Because that was powerful. And I think well, that... well, I'll tell you what, in my book, Defending Your uh, Marriage, I actually have uh, prayers that I've written, but more importantly, uh, ancient church leaders have written out prayers. And so you get some powerful prayers that have been written by the ancient church. Mm, I love that. So those are in the book on prayer, uh, my section on prayer. And then I offer a few of my own, but more important, a template to come up with your own prayers. Mm-hmm. So when you have conflict in, in, in the home, is it something that should be demonstrated? Should conflict resolution be demonstrated in front of the kids? Absolutely. And so should uh, spiritual prayers, right? So if I'm mad at my wife, right, who's a girl, we've been married 30 years. We just celebrated 30 years. Congratulations. Um, but let's say I get mad at her, you know, and now I'm just thinking, you know, Bill, I'm thinking I'm just so ticked at her and she's <laughs> so selfish and mm-hmm. this and that and this. You know what? I need to stop right there and say, wait a minute. That just is not true. Now, I still disagree with my wife about this issue. But that is not true about my wife of over 30 years, right? That's when I enter in and I I offer a spiritual battle prayer, which is demons. If you're planting these thoughts in my mind, if you're trying to stoke this um, discontentment, I'm telling you right now to be quiet. But but then I apply good conflict resolution skills to my wife and absolutely do it in front of the kids. If the kids are seeing the argument, if they're feeling the tension – then I think, yeah, absolutely bring him in on the process. And when mom and dad do resolve things and apologize, that may happen in private, absolutely make it public to the kids and say, hey, mom and dad disagree. It won't be the first time. And COVID-19 is like pouring gasoline on this house because we're all living on top of each other and, and having to work from home. We're all fighting over the internet bandwidth. <laughs> so yeah, this isn't going to be the first time mom and dad disagree with each other, but guess what? We're committed to working it out. Mm-hmm. And we want you to know that we have worked it out. And then I would say this bill, and here's how we worked it out. And then I'd let the kids in on the formula that you used to work it out. I mean, don't keep that as a mystery from the kids. Explain to the kids, this is what mom and dad did. I was upset because of this. Mom was upset. And rather than just us going off in our different directions and stewing on it, we came together and asked each other these three questions, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if, I don't want to push all my books, but right? But I wrote a book Might as well. I Beg to Differ, which is how do, you, how do you handle difficult conversations with truth and love? And I based it on the book of Proverbs. So I, I would let the kids in on that. Here's how mom and dad, when we have a disagreement, this is how we structure it. And guess what, guys? You need to do that with each other, and you need to do that with your friends. And if we have a disagreement, we need to do it with each other. Mm-hmm. I have a guest uh, regularly um, who comes on and, and um, 
uh, Todd Mulliken. He says, can you speak without being offensive and can you listen without being defensive? Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah. boy, that's that's where, uh, you know, it can be really tough. Can you can you really speak without offending? And how do you do this truth and love thing? Well, Bill, this is where, so in I Beg to Differ, I have a whole chapter on spiritual formation. Yeah. Because I'll be, I'll be honest, and let me just say this to your listeners, there's nothing easier than writing a book about marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is easy. Send it to the publisher and collect the profits. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, you know, um, I need to be in a spiritual place. Right. Through the disciplines, fasting, prayer, meditation, confession, solitude, where, where I now can offer the forgiveness, this is Ephesians, offer the forgiveness Jesus gave me, I can now offer it to my wife or kids or neighbor. But that's a spiritual condition. There's a lot that needs to happen spiritually before we get to uh, resolving conflict, or it's going to backfire. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with your listeners, there's times I've sat down uh, and had a conflict with my wife or even a faculty member, and and I just lost it. I just got really mad. Okay. And so I knew what to do, but I did not have the <laughs> spiritual reservoir to pull it off. Interesting. I appreciate the, your transparency and your honesty, because if if we can be gentle in our approach, a soft answer that is going to make the situation always better, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll be honest with you that that's the theme of so many of the books I'm now writing on civility is we better learn how to do this uh, with fellow Christians when we really disagree with each other about certain issues. And then we, we're going to need to do this with non-Christians, even when they're not necessarily civil with us. We're going to have to learn how to speak out of a spiritual reservoir. And remember what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so I think we need to, as a church, uh, approach non-Christians in a way that's loving and civil. But we got to start with our own churches, are we approaching each other in a way that's civil and kind as we have theological and political disagree? I mean, we're heading back into the same political situation we had four years ago right. with whether, can a Christian vote for President Trump? Right. Can a Christian do that? Well, there's vastly different opinions, and we're going to have to be charitable in how we disagree with each other when it comes election time. And isn't a lot of the incivility that we see today the result of what gets exchanged on the internet? I mean, internet. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think the internet fuel uh, cause um, created incivility. Mm -hmm. But here's what one person said: a, a philosopher that I thought was really insightful. He said that the internet now gets keeps me in this perpetual mode of being annoyed. <laughs> and, so true. And so here, here's what I have my students do is um, they watch, they're required to watch CNN one night and then the next night watch Fox News and then answer the question, how is the president doing? Interesting. Uh, and it built, people laugh when they're saying, listen, CNN, he should be strung up, thrown out of the country, impeached. Right. He's doing the worst job ever. And Fox is saying, Thank God for President Trump, the early steps he took with travel bans. So I just say to my students, imagine if you didn't like President Trump and all you did was feed on CNN, you'd be perpetually angry, uh, an angry state, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to be very careful what we consume online 
because it really does affect our our soul and our attitude towards other people. Mm-hmm. Dr. Tim Mulhoff is my guest. He's written a whole number of books. The one I, I picked to chat with him about is called Defending Your Marriage, The Reality of Spiritual Battle. We'll take a short break and be right back. Tim Mulhoff is my guest, and he's a brilliant professor, author, and speaker, but every time he comes on, he just feels like I'm talking to a friend, which is what fine quality you have, Tim. Oh, thank you. And I love the word brilliant. Yeah, I, I know. I hope this is being recorded. For, I'd like <laughs> to hear from my students. Yeah, well, you feel free to use that. All right, right before we went to break, you were talking about the spiritual reservoir, and I, w- I, w- I wish you would expand on that a little bit more, because if you're walking around on eggshells... Uh, and you don't know what your spiritual reservoir is or how much is in that reservoir, then what? Well, Paul says something very interesting to his protege, Timothy. He says, I want, to, I want you to discipline yourself for the sake of godliness. Now, that word discipline was actually a word that was used of in Greece for athletes. And so Paul is saying the same attitude you would have If you were going to try to run a half marathon or take up tennis, you would you would seek to learn the skills and then discipline yourself to apply the skills. So I think the same thing is true with the spiritual reservoir is. So what's the skills of walking with the Lord? Prayer, fasting, Bible reading, meditation, prayer. And so we start to do those things. Right. So when I have this thought of anger towards a person, what does Paul say? I want you to take the thought captive. So when this angry thought comes towards a neighbor or coworker or a family member, I stop and I say, listen, I'm, I'm not going to have these negative thoughts. So then you might memorize a verse or ask the spirit to help you. But this is where fasting can really be helpful, Bill. So it, fasting is, let's say I give up sweets, desserts, So when I walk into a room and I see desserts there, I know, okay, I want to have a dessert, but I'm not going to because I'm fasting this week. So Mm -hmm. when I want to have a dessert, I'd rather turn to spiritual things and pray uh, to God. Well, that, that kind of teaches you to deny yourself. So now when this negative thought comes towards a person and I want to give an insult, I've learned to stop myself through fasting And now I turn away from that. And what Peter says, when insulted, I want you to give a blessing instead. So now I, I, just like I I do martial arts, I think you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. this. I was, Bill, I was one week away from testing for my black belt. Oh no. COVID-19 hit. And now the test is on hold. Um, So there's no mystery to Kung Fu. What I study is you practice over and over and over and over. But as Christians, somehow we're resistant to this idea, like I shouldn't have to practice spirituality, but look at the life of Jesus, read the New Testament, people are practicing spirituality all the time. So I would say to your listeners, pick something like um, biblical meditation, memorize some verses on controlling your anger, and ask the Spirit to bring those to mind the next time you're tempted to be angry at a person. Mm -hmm. Tim, how would you do meditation? 
So what I do with meditation is I take a verse um, and I just sit and meditate on it. Okay. So here's a verse from 1 Peter 3, 9. When insulted, I do not want you to insult, but give a blessing instead. Wow. So when I sit before the Lord, I memorize this verse and meditate on it. And I say, Lord, who are the people I'm most tempted to insult? Like, who are the people that really bug me? And that could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker. It could be a political figure. And I'm tempted to give an insult. But Peter says, no, no, no. I want you to give a blessing instead. What verse is that? Say, uh, that's 1 Peter 3, 9. Okay. So then I say, no way am I giving a blessing to this person. There is no way I'm doing that. Maybe I'll refrain from the insult, <laughs> but I'm not giving a blessing. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Holy Spirit says. And isn't it great that God didn't treat you the way you're treating this person? Mm. See, and, and again, I don't meditate for long periods of time. I'm talking maybe 20 minutes in the morning before I turn on my computer, because if I get caught in that technological riptide bill i'm done you're done, done. Yep. so before that i sit and i meditate on this verse and i ask the holy spirit to i give him permission to bring to mind people that i am i want to insult uh, that really bother me and i'm angry at them and who are those individuals so do you so can i be honest can yeah, i be honest please oh yeah I am banking on the fact that I never meet you, Bill. I'm, that is, I'm absolutely banking on this fact. Yeah. So I really have a problem with um, Nancy Pelosi. Okay. I really get angry at her. I have zero compassion. Um, and I don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, can I disagree with the politics of Nancy Pelosi? The answer is absolutely yes. Of course. But, but the way Christians do it ought to be different. She's made in the image of God. God loves her. Uh, she claims to be a believer. Um, there are certain topics that I think she's done a great job on. Uh, and yet when I, when I see her, I have a physical reaction. Mm. And so, listen, can I still really disagree with Nancy Pelosi? Absolutely. I think some of her views don't jibe with the Bible. But, but I need to speak the truth in love. And if I don't have the love part, which, which I struggle with, then I, I think the Holy Spirit still has to work. I mean, Jesus, for the people who crucified him, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I, I need to have that kind of attitude with the people that I disagree with. Um, let me tell you another one, Lance Armstrong. So now we're all watching ESPN because there's no live sports where right. they do these very interesting 30 for 30s, which are amazing. And Lance Armstrong, and I got to tell you, I have no compassion for Lance Armstrong. I have zero. But then when I learned how severely beaten he was by his stepfather, did you watch episode one? I did not see that. Yeah, so uh, according to him, he was severely beaten. I mean, we're talking child abuse. If what he said was true, wow. he was abused as a child. Now, th that ought to provoke a little compassion, even though I agree that he should have been stripped of his championships. I agree with the penalties, right? But, but to have compassion towards Lance Armstrong, I think that's what we're called to as Christians. Even as we uh, believe that he was wrong for what he did, 
do I have compassion for him? And, and I think if I don't, spiritual battle might be happening a little bit. And I need to ask the Lord to soften my heart to compassionately disagree with the person. Mm-hmm. Interesting, uh, Tim. You think of the top 20 competitors in his sport probably were all doping, right? Yep, yep. Um, so it's one guy doping against another guy doping, and that's wrong. Uh, the desire for power and fame and money and and status is, I'm sure, overwhelming and it corrupts people. And then on the other side of the coin, Lance Armstrong has probably raised half a billion dollars for cancer research. Yep, you're right. You're right. The whole thing is so messy. Great, great point, Bill. I read a great article on ESPN where the guy said this about Lance. He said, here's what's unforgivable is he destroyed people's lives. People who True. went up against him, True. Who, who, right? He True. destroyed yes. their lives. He went on the offensive. And that, to me, is where Lance really... Because you're right. You can't deny all the good he's done, nor the good that Nancy Pelosi has done. Um, but, but it's how he went after people and literally ruined their lives financially. Yeah. Um, that to me was wow. That's a that's an interesting way to go on this. Is I'm not only going to deny that I'm doping, but I'm going to ruin you if you suggest that yeah. I am. Yeah, the cheating is wrong. The lying is wrong. Everything is wrong in that department. Yet, despite all of its messiness, there was some things that God worked out for good, huh? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the stuff he's done for cancer research. Yeah is live strong i mean my goodness that was that was amazing yeah the money he raised to do that you know yeah yeah all right tim i gotta jump but thank you so much for doing the show always great to talk to you this is great let's do it again yeah i will indeed i'll call you okay all right dr tim muhoff has been my guest we'll take a short break when we come back dr mark muska the whole hour thanks for listening programming like this is made available through your support information available at myfaithradio.com